Oh, Mother, is it for me? Oh, thank you. Oh, it's so beautiful. My favorite. There are lots of stories And there's comics too There are plays and songs But you don't read them, do you? Yes, it's sad to tell you But you need to know No one reads Waxwork Darkcom It is all that Jordan perpetuates No one reads Waxwork.com It will go hard up If someone investigates Why hello there and welcome to the fourth episode of Cast and Wax here on Waxwork.com We are very excited to have you here tonight It's a very jam-packed episode, we've got lots of stuff going on So I'll try to keep uh, introductions relatively brief But let me introduce myself and my co-hosts My name is Jordan D. White, of course uh, With me here is Mr. Rory Sinjin Hello Jordan, it's very good to hear from you I, I've had a busy week as well, but uh, I, I guess I shouldn't talk about it right now Because we don't have time No, uh, but maybe maybe we'll get into it later, but let's keep going uh, Frank Allen, of course, co-host Yep, that's me, Frank Allen And uh, I didn't have that busy of a week, really Really, so I guess I'm left out. Sorry, sorry. And uh, of course, Mr. Uh, Mr. Scape White, my cat. Hello, my name is Scapey. Uh, I had a very busy week. I did lots of sleeping. Um, I was curled up and sleeping just a few minutes ago, but uh, I had to stop to do this. Yes, that is correct. Uh, good of you to put aside your your busy schedule. Okay, we've got four different shows for you tonight. Plus, of course, all of our all new bonus stuff. Um, it's going to be pretty amazing. The very first thing we've got lined up is. Is a show we like to call Epic Echoes, also known as the Backwards Series. Why? Because every episode takes place before the episode before it. So this is the third episode of the show. It takes place before the one you just recently heard. Why don't we just jump right into it? This is the third episode of Epic Echoes. Enjoy. The Backwards Series Episode 3, A Stitch in Time By Lynn Nelson Max turned a corner, pulled the trolley over, and parked in front of a small light blue house. He hopped down and waited for the rest of them to pile out. Um, we're going to your mom's? Yeah, I just want to give her something. Well, why did we pass it a block ago? And why did we park around this corner? My mom's seen a lot in her day. But she still has trouble adjusting to modern technology. If she sees our trolley, she'll ask a million questions about how we converted it, and we'll never get out. Easier just to walk in. Everyone shrugged and giggled a little, and followed Max down the street. As they passed the third house or so, the air seemed to shudder, and Max's mother's house sort of popped open. Flames poured out, and Max's mother tumbled out onto the lawn, badly burnt, her face torn up and missing a few limbs. 
Molly dragged a shrieking crisp toward the house, following Max, Slaughter, and Keen, who picked up Max's mother and moved her a few lawns down. Oh my god, she's dead! What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Shh. Shh. It's okay. It's okay. Do you remember when you joined us how we told you about Max's mom? How she's a healer? Oh. Oh yeah. Like a starfish, right? Right. Not to worry. Her limbs will grow back by morning, and her skin will heal up. She'll be fine. It's okay. Mom. Mom. Are you okay? Well, gee, you're, you're not too bad. Not like the last time, huh? This is time you've got one leg. Oh, sure. It's been much worse. Sure smarts, though. Molly's gonna call Aunt Susan so you can spend the night there. Right, Molly? Of course. I'm on it. What the hell happened? There are pressure explosions. Dralis has failed. Oh, geez, child. Go fix it already, would you? Okay, Ma. For you. Just one thing. Max produced from his pocket the mother of pearl brooch he had safely tucked away and held it out towards his mother. How, how did you... Anything for you, Mom. Max kissed her on the forehead and started leading the rest of the flash pack back to the trolley. Max's mother called after them. You're a good boy, Maxie. Mama loves you. I need something. You're too skinny. They reboarded their space-converted trolley, and Max flew them toward Washington, D.C. So, what's the plan, Stan? Well, the first step is to find Jimmy and get him to safety. Dralis will be coming for him. He won't be safe anywhere, Max. I know, but we've got to at least get him out of there. We've got to try, Molly. What then? Somehow, I've got to disarm this field. And killing her wouldn't be so bad either. How did it come to this? How did Dralis end up being the one we have to kill? Snow you skin nostalgic, Molly. We have a job to do. Dralis is the enemy now. You've got to keep your head. It's just really overwhelming. How are we going to pull this off? We're going to visit Alyssa. Alyssa? Just how do you expect to go visit Alyssa? You don't just drop in on Time Steppers, Max. It's rude. They're like gods. You can't just stop by for tea. Not to mention the fact that they live outside time. How do you expect to even find her? If you know how to stop time, then by all means, please enlighten us. Why don't you ask Slaughter? Molly looked over at Slaughter, who was staring intently at her watch. Molly threw her hands up, exasperated. Okay, just what am I missing here? I know how to do it. Gee, to think all these years... (laughs) What is it? (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, Molly. All these years. You remember as kids when Mom warned us only to go outside between one and two, and we used to only play outside for an hour every day? Oh, no. You can't be serious. She meant outside time. Holy crap! I can go outside time! Don't get too ahead of yourself. Time traveling itself is tricky business. Going outside time is downright complicated. Yeah, but I figured out the time thing when I was, what, six? (laughs) Your mom was so freaked. She comes upstairs and you're wearing a powder wig that covers your whole head. They say kids are figuring it out earlier and earlier. And anyway, Max, I'm the best time-turner you'll find these days. I'm just saying, don't rush into it blindly. But if you really do have it figured out, hurry it up because we don't have a lot of time. No pun intended. Well, she said between one and two, right? So I guess I just have to wind my watch? Yeah, but to where? One o'clock, it would seem. You can be outside time between one and two, so you have an hour. It's just a couple of minutes after one now. Maybe you have to set it at a time that's between one and two. So, 1.30? Maybe, or 1.40, or 1.45. That seems too vague. This has to be very specific. 
I think crisp is right. We should try one. Bad idea, girl. If you want to be so specific, I think 1.30 is the way to go. It's exactly between 1 and 2. Slaughter raised her eyebrows and surveyed everyone's faces. She was met with shrugs and shaking heads and worried expressions. Finally, Max patted Keen on the back and took charge. 1.30 it is. We can't let time get away from us while we're trying to stop it. Wind the watch, Slaughter. Should we stop the trolley? How much fun is there in that? Slaughter took a deep breath and wound her watch to 1.30 on the dot, while Molly, Keen, and Crisp huddled around her and shut their eyes tight. She, too, shut her eyes and pushed the wind-up button under the side of her watch. Here goes nothing. Through their eyelids, they could see a bright flash of light. They felt as if they were free-falling, and despite Max's cries of, They heard a low, humming noise that lasted about 20 seconds. They felt themselves land with a jolt, and their eyes opened to see Max sprawled out in the driver's seat. His head lolled around towards them. That is one hell of a ride. They all looked outside the trolley at the small, dusty room they were in. It was like a grandma's house. It was kind of dark and musty, but comfy and smelled like baking. A woman far too young to be a grandma was sitting in a rocking chair near them, rocking a baby. You're a little late. They all stepped slowly out of the trolley and walked toward the woman. Alyssa. That would be me. Is that your baby? Why? Time steppers can't have babies, too? It just seems a little tiring. I mean, she's going to be a baby forever, right? That's a lot of diapers. Wisely observed. And no, this isn't my baby. This is your muse, Slaughter. My what? Your time-turning muse. She made your watch. She's just a baby. Muses are born in the realm of forward time and live lives like any normal mortal. When they become old, they pass on to the realm of backward time and spend half their lives personally crafting a time-stopper, like the one you have there. Slaughter looked at her watch, which was stuck at 1.30 on the dot. When the time-stopper is finished... The muse must choose a newborn time-turner who will own it. When you are old enough to time-travel, your muse guides your discovery of how the watch works. So she's getting younger. You can only go outside time once. This is why you didn't figure out how to do it until now. This is when you were destined to do it, because you need my help. Your journey outside time drains her energy. It ages her faster. Remember, she is aging backwards. So what happens when we go back? She has no more purpose here. She will pass. Okay, that's heavy. You don't have time to worry about it now. We're outside time. Shouldn't we have all the time in the world? Here, time stands still. But in the realm of forward time, Dralis is preparing to destroy your planet. And the longer you don't experience time, the harder it will be to readjust to aging. I can only keep you until it's your two o'clock. You should have come at one. I told you. So how much time do we have? Ugh, this is confusing. About 15 minutes. Can you help us? This is deeper than I think any of you realize. Do you even know who you're defending? Earth. America. Jimmy. Jimmy. What about Jimmy? Jimmy is an incarnation. I'm sorry, run that by me again? Your president, Jimmy, is the reincarnation of Thomas Jefferson. Um, like founding father Thomas Jefferson? One and the same. We're saving Thomas Jefferson's life? Oh, brother. Look, I know this is going to be kind of a shock, but you have to understand the gravity of the situation. Well, what do we do? She'll come to you. She's coming here? No, you're safe outside time, but she'll find you once you're back in the realm. Take this. 
Alyssa reached into the blanket that was wrapped around the baby and pulled out a small blue velvet sack with gold thread tightly around the top. She held it out toward Max, who accepted it gingerly. A spell pouch? This spell will remove someone from existence. This is a spell that's going to kill Trallis? I didn't say that. It will remove someone from existence. But spells are unstable. Use them wisely. Trallis is powerful and experienced. She will not be taken easily. This pouch alone will not defeat her. Well, how do I know you when- You will know when the time comes. All of you, listen closely. You've been together so long. You've been through countless adventures. You've grown up together. Things are about to get very, very complicated. Know who you have to trust. This is so intense. Alyssa nodded toward the trolley, and the five of them boarded, as if in a trance. They studied each other's faces for what would have been a few moments, if moments existed there. Max took a deep breath, and in a strong but quiet voice said, Flashback. Flashback. The baby in Alyssa's arms suddenly started crying. It's time. Can President Jimmy Novak's really be the reincarnation of President Thomas Jefferson? Is the past at stake now, as well as the present and future? Will the Flashback be able to defeat the powerful Dralis? Tune in for next week's episode of Epic Echoes, Revelations, or The Kingdom Come. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert played the narrator, Nicholas Roach played Max Thornfield, Jordan D. White played Crisp, Devin White played Molly, Lynn Nelson played Slaughter, Tongwen Wong played Keen, Ava Rosenblatt played Alyssa, and Anna Cole played Mrs. Thornfield. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And I do, I just want to mention, uh, I'm recording this a little bit early, as I, as I always do. So I just went last weekend back to Binghamton and uh, kind of revisited the studios there, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Frank Allen, of course, went as well. Uh, and you had a pretty, actually, eventful weekend, though, Frank. You said you didn't have a big week, but you had an eventful weekend, right? Oh, that's true. We did, we recorded a whole bunch of stuff. It was, uh, it was pretty excellent. I had a good time. I appeared on the air of the actual radio for the first time in a while. Oh, that must have been a treat. Uh, you actually got to do something you liked for once. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I got the time off of work at the store and uh you know it was nice of them to have me back yeah i, I again i had a i had a blast as well uh escape was here doing doing your, your busy work right yeah i was sleeping the whole time i got a lot of sleeping done that i wouldn't have gotten done if you were around oh okay that's good <laughs> you're a dork moving on again uh let's get right to this day in history uh the amazing section by mr roy sinjin yes let's get to it here it is Welcome to This Day in History, my name is Roy Sinjin, and you're listening to WHRW Binghamton. On April 21st, 753 BC, according to Roman scholar Marcus Terentius Varro, in the first century, Romulus and his twin brother Remus found Rome on the site where they were suckled by a she-wolf as orphaned infants. Let's listen. Hmm. Well, Mother Wolf, these are some weird-looking wolf babies, don't you think? Oh, yes, dear. Hmm. They don't look very healthy. Maybe we should give them something. Ah, but what can we give them? I don't know. Hmm. I have this bottle of penicillin from the future. Do you think that might work? Sounds good to me, dear. Excellent. Eat up, small children. Remus took the antibiotics, while Romulus stubbornly refused to do so. Fortunately for him, this prevented him from building a resistance to the penicillin, and he was able to survive much deadlier diseases later and found Rome. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But there's more to this story. 
my name's Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. I'm sure you want to hear more about the story in which Remus dies and Romulus lives, and I'm here to tell you just that. It was many years later, and Romulus and Remus were walking through the Italian forest made up of giant mechanical trees, and as they walked, a swirling, evil whirlamajig chopped off both their legs. Now, of course, it was a very unsanitary place, and both of their chopped off legs got infected. Remus said, ah, this isn't a problem, my leg is infected, I will do what I do every single day of my life, and chug a glass of this antibiotics from the astounding antibiotic stash our parent wolves found for us from the future, of course. Romulus, who had not been drinking antibiotics every day of his life, and in fact had kind of said, oh, you know, I'd like to abstain from antibiotics entirely, did something that normally would be bad, which is giving into peer pressure, and decided, yes, I too will chug some antibiotics. Now, as we've learned, Remus had built up a tolerance to the antibiotics, and he remained infected. His entire leg became gangrenous and grew a fungus, which grew its own little mouth and face and ate him alive. Whereas Romulus got better and his legs grew back, he kept walking and he said, oh, look, there's Rome. I found it. The end of the story. I'm sure you all learned a valuable lesson here on Cast and Wax with Where Are They Now in History? I'm Roy Sinjin. Okay, you're you're not even trying anymore. That's not even vaguely historical. I mean, that's what's a you know you, a, a robotic whirlamajig and a fungus with a mouth. I mean, you're you're getting you're getting out there. You say I'm getting out there, but you don't understand. You know, obviously you weren't there for the actual research, and all of these things prove true in our research. Prove true, prove true again. Uh, you know, in, in your improv research, guys, we don't have we don't have time for a big fight today. You know, we again, as I said, it's a really big show, lots of stuff. Some you know, we got four different things, and they're all you know relatively long on the long. Side, so we got to keep the pace going, okay? Now, Scape, again, I wanted to touch base about this sleeping stuff because, you know, it sounds really interesting. Oh, it is. I, I could sleep in a lot of different positions. I could sleep on a pail or I have a cat like a tree that I sleep in. It's not a real tree, but it's like a cat tree with like a carpet on it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like a, yeah, one of those big tall, like a big scratching post type thing. Yeah, I got one of those and sometimes I sleep on a box on top of a shelf. Okay, okay you guys don't have time to talk to me at all and you've got time to talk to Scape about where he's sleeping. I'm sorry. I was just, you know, trying to do the entertaining part of the, the banter, but fine. Let's, you know what? You're right. Let's move on. Uh, we do have uh, another episode of Debatatorium now, and here we go. This is the second episode, Frank? Yes, thought it is. Uh, Going to be a good debate. Uh, still in the first round of debating. Here we go. Welcome to Debatatorium 2006. My name is Frank Allen, and I am the host of Debatatorium 2006. Now, uh, this is a debate show in which we debate uh, the problems of the world, hopefully to solve them once and for all, uh, but I guess that's up to you, the listener. It is a tournament-style debate, meaning that the winner of last week's show and this week's show will end up debating each other. But however, for this show, we do have two brand new debaters. So let's introduce our two uh, wonderful, very knowledgeable uh, debaters. Uh, debater number one. Yes, I'm uh, Solomon Namreb. Uh, uh, Solomon Namreb. Namreb. Yes. Okay. Tell us about yourself, please. Well, I uh, was born a number of years ago, and for the f- much of the first part of my life, I was very young. But today... I have worked my way up to the top, and I'm much taller than I was then. And I'm now the uh, general secretary of the uh, fascist party of Zimbabwe. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. And, of course, debater number two. Hello. I am Good Hitler. Good Hitler. Yes. Um, Not to be confused with that other one. Okay. Um, tell us, a, I guess, a bit about yourself. I want to know. Well, um, I'm an Austrian painter. I enjoy long walks on the beach and doggies. Uh, I'm sorry. You're a painter and you're from Austria. Yes. But you're not the, the other Hitler. The Adolf, are you Adolf Hitler? Yes. Just the, the good one. The go- There's, as in, okay, a different Adolf Hitler. 
Who is the same? Uh, listen, don't you ever read comic books? There's always a good one and a bad one from a parallel universe. Oh, you're... Okay, and, so yeah. you're the other... Oh, for you're from another... Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds like an, a nice universe. But, at any rate, all right. Uh, yeah, well, it's okay, except for bad Gandhi. Oh, that's... It's harsh, but... He's kind of a dick. Here's the thing. Uh, this week, of course, as both of the debaters know, we are uh, debating... Uh, once and for all, we should be able to put this to bed. We're debating uh, women's rights and whether... Uh, what they are in general, uh, whether women should have rights and whether they're getting enough of them right now. Uh, now, of course... As we all know, uh, Mr. Mr. Namreb. Namreb, of course, is in favor of women's yes, rights. Yes, I love women's rights a lot. And a good Hitler believes that women uh, don't deserve rights. Well, it'll be clarified during the debate. All right. Well, I, well, you get to begin us as the uh, the opposition voice. So uh, please start us off. Yes. Well, I have to admit. Frank. May I call you Frank? You may. Excellent. Um, I've always been somewhat torn on the subject of women's rights. After all, um, it's very clear that when I was born in the earliest part of the 20th century, that women clearly did not enjoy the kind of rights they were obviously entitled to. Well, if they didn't enjoy them, what do they need them for, right? Is that what you're saying? What? If they didn't enjoy their rights. Don't be ridiculous. I think what I would like to say at the beginning of the 21st century is that women's rights has been um, sort of piloted by certain elements of the feminist movement who seek not to improve the lot of women everywhere, but to create a sort of gender nationalism, a sort of identity that is harmful for all involved. This is a very serious argument. Well, yes. Oh, good. Debatatorium 2006 is not for screwers around. No, it's a very serious show. You're absolutely right. And uh, as I'm sure debater number one will uh, recoil. Oh, yes. It's a serious show. I'm a very serious man. Now, let me explain my position. Sitting down, to be precise. Now, when I was born, I have to say I knew very few women. Oh, yes? Only one. Which one? Uh, her name was... I, I can't remember her name. Uh, she Ooh. was the nurse that took me out of my mother. Okay. I remember her face well, both sides of it. And I... I never knew her again. And you have to imagine this is a traumatic experience for a young man. To meet this woman in a moment, a very intimate moment. You may remember I was completely naked. Uh, being taken out of the uterus of my own mother. And this woman who was doing it has never met me before. And I never see her again. Were you heartbroken? Yes. This is my first experience of women. Now, as soon as I get out, I can see what had been around me all the time. My mother was Susan Nam, the second woman I had ever met in my life. Hmm. And she seemed to have complete control over everything I did. I oh. could not eat without her permission. In fact, I could not eat without her helping me. Wow. It put me in a very inferior position. And let me tell you, even when I was growing up, all the people I knew, I knew very few women. They were all young girls because they put me in school with people my own age. I thought that was fair, not at all. So, But, I'm oh, sorry. go on. So I, want, I just want to clarify. So it sounds to me like you're saying that women are uh, better, are more important than men and actually should do everything for men. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And you know, let me tell you, I grew, I grew when I was about, how old? Maybe late teens, early 20s and all around me suddenly there seemed to be women and somebody said to me what do you think of women's rights i say i like both sides you know i don't even uh. know the question because women seem to me to be the 
total source of power in the world. And let me tell you what the fascist thinks. Okay. The fascist here in Zimbabwe, we think that the Roman Empire should return to the world, like the fasci in the Roman Empire. Okay. This is what Mussolini says. And Mussolini, he was kind enough to take over Ethiopia up in the north. And we think, well, what if they had not lost World War II? We would have all of Africa, like Rome. Rome was a place where the women owned the home. They had control of everything in the home. And they left the men out there to go and do, you know, whatever they would do, the senators or unimportant work, sitting around all day in the government making laws. And we think making laws, this is irrelevant to the real government of the world, which is getting people fed, which is what women they did to me. I got me fed. I still eat them today. Okay. Now I think, okay. So if I'm reading you right. Yes. This is your feminist stance. I can't write. You, you, you listen to me. Okay. If I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly. Yes. Your feminist stance is that women are better than men. They hold all the power and that's why they should do more housework. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Very feminist because position. Leave the men to go do other unimportant, other unimportant government yes. and get money. Money is, is paper. It's a piece of paper. Now, we, speaking we need of, to get people fed. Speaking of fascism. Um, yes. Uh, Hitler, did you want to say anything? Yeah. You me? don't remind me of the Hitler we used to know. I have to say. Well, no. He was a murderous psychopath. No, well, he sort of, yeah. But, he, you you know, he had something. I mean, we can't all be jerks. Some of us Hitlers need to make the others look good. You're Well, you're off to a so far lousy start. I mean, not because not I think hey. you're bad, but because he's very bad. And you'd have to be exceedingly good. Well, yes. I would think that my lifetime of charity work would speak for itself. But, oh, wait, that's in a cooler universe than this one. I'm sorry. All right. Well, um, speaking of... Perhaps uh, if you tried harder to be born in a place with good Hitler, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Actually, we do have, have an expert on the line. Yes, hello. My name is Gladys, and I'm the press liaison for water. It's spelled W-A-T-O-R. It stands for Women Against to their own rights. Water! I love water. Drinks very good stuff. Yes, well, this is a different one. Uh, although I am here to support, sort of support, your positions. Oh, thank you, madam. Uh, yes. No, he's, well, he's for women's rights. I am for the women's rights, all sides of the women. Which is why I say, in a way, in I am here way. to support his, his position. You see, at Water, uh, we, we believe that the female gender is very, very strong and very, very spirited. And along those lines, we're afraid that the more rights you give women, uh, they will just take over the world and they will abolish the male gender and uh, thus lead to the extinction of the human race. Well, that's all right. We, what we want is the right women taking over the world. We want our wives taking over the world, not the wives of the communists or the other parties. We want the fascist well, women taking over the world. Well, hold on. Hold, hold on, Herr Namrep. If I understand you correctly, then the idea of women taking over, outlawing men, and wiping out the human race in a single generation is okay by you. No, we don't outlaw the men. We, you know, the women come, they take over. They don't outlaw the men. They feed the men and they uh, they clean up for them. You know, it's not outlaw. It's a kindness. Hmm. Now, I I think that this sounds um, promising in some ways. What the feeding of men or the outlawing of men? Oh uh, no, the feeding part. Oh, that's good because yeah. you were coming across very ambiguous. No, all no, my I'm life. Sorry. All my 
life I have eaten. And it is something I've grown very used to. I like to continue in the future. Now, I, I don't understand. Good Hitler. Um, yes. Why are you against uh, giving women the right to clean up after men? I'm not against giving women the right to clean up after men. I'm worried that if it is expanded too far, then as Miss Gladys, was it? Yeah. Miss Gladys of Vata is claiming, then... Oh, it's water. Well, yes. It wouldn't be, like, I don't know what V would stand for. It would be W, woman. Women, of course. No, that's not a word. Vermin, it stands for vermin. Vermin, I yes. guess, Excuse that would be about you. rats, probably. Rats? Rats don't have... Well, rats should have more rights, because they are some of God's creatures, oh, okay. all of so which should be treated with love. All right, Hitler. But, all right, Hitler. You're pro-rats, yes. anti-women. You know, I don't think no. you're, I don't, you don't sound don't like a good ridic- Hitler to me. Listen, listen, bad Frank Allen. I, now, there's only one Frank Allen here. Uh, I'm sorry, I was trying to be really nice about this, Mr. Allen, but listen. When I first made contact with your counterpart in my universe, he was an okay guy. And so I had my worst suspicions and about, you know, you being kind of a tool. And then I come here and I think, wow, this Frank Allen, he is okay. Perhaps, perhaps it is not a good Frank Allen and a bad Frank Allen, but a good Frank Allen and an okay Frank Allen. But no, but you know, now you come back with your flibbity blee at, at me. No, because you're the one who's saying rats should have rights and women should rats be should have more rights. Women's saddled, rights should be curtailed reasonably. Women should be saddled with you know jobs and things like that. I wholeheartedly agree. You think women should be saddled with jobs, just not important ones. Wait, I, I thought you were against. Who are you supporting here, woman? I am not for women's rights. I am against women's rights. That's why my organization is called Women Against Their Own Rights. But you said you were going to support Mr. Because he was describing females as extremely powerful, which is true. Oh, well, all right. Well, we actually, okay, well, if we can put you on hold for just a minute, we do have another expert here we wanted to get to before we wrap up. Uh, Yes, hello, this is uh, Ray Spifida, and uh, I am a beer commercial lobbyist. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming. Oh, yes, thank you, thank you. Now, please, uh, go right ahead. I don't want to stop you. Okay, well, I just have to say that I am all for women's rights. Good. Um, I, you know, personally, me and my company, we have donated billions of dollars investing in um, a new thong that does not cause yeast infections. Now, that's very helpful. Yeah, that's good work. That's very helpful. Right. Wait, now, a lot on. of women appreciate that, I'm sure. But I hate yeast infections. Okay, but that's women's rights to not have a yeast infection. Yes, that should, be a, that should be a right that they have. That, they should not have the right to if say... If such a thing exists, they should have the right not to be infected. Well, okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, please, continue, sir. Okay, well, I just, I just wanted to say that I think that girls should be able to, you know, run around in public, bouncing around any way they like. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. You're talking about the, the right to, for women to be topless? Oh, you, well, sure. I mean, among other things. Yes. Would I mean, you go and would you be so... So authoritarian as to prevent women from wearing no clothes if they so choose with their own libertarian choosing. Well, yes. Now, you would. Yes. And you are a good Hitler. Yes. I mean, think about it. I'm driving around in my Mercedes-Benz from, say, the Grunstrasse to the Brunstrasse, and I see, on the way, um, let's pick a famous celebrity, Eva Braun. Never met her, heard very nice things. (coughs) And she is, you know... She's walking around with it all hanging out. My first response is, oh, hey, it's a lady. So, of course, I will slow down and... You never met her? No. That's funny. Because, you know, in this world... What about it? Don't, don't, don't say it. Never mind. Don't say thing. But now, so I'm, of course, turning my head, slowing down to save us this moment. And then all of a sudden, bad Einstein rear ends me. And no, then, see, that's Einstein's fault. That's not Eva's fault. It's not. Did Bud Einstein not invent the nuclear bomb? Precisely. Did he? Okay. And that's a bad thing? 
Well, yes, because then instead of nuclear weapons, there was an enormous biological plague that wiped out three quarters of humanity. Oh, and it didn't get Hitler. Of course not. I eat healthy. I work out. All right. Um, unfortunately, we are coming close to the end. Uh, we do have to get to our final uh, argument, so to speak. Uh, Mr. Hitler, why don't you try to try to defend yourself here? My argument is not against women's rights all told. It is that women have perhaps an excess of rights that should be closely curtailed. We should be careful to make sure that women do not get too many rights and that in the process of empowering women, we don't disenfranchise men, dogs, rats, Now, what rights dolphins. is it that women have that you want to take away? Well, first of all, this walking around topless thing seems excessive, don't you think? Yeah! No, he said excessive, not extreme. Well, I would say both. But I think that um, Mr. Bifida means it in a very different context from me. But rights that women should be curtailed, among other things, eating meat. What? Eating meat. Should be curtailed. Yes, entirely. Just like it should be for men and lions. Uh, Lions. Sir, why don't you tell him? Yes, I I, I just want to to explain my position. I want you to imagine a world. I'll paint a word picture. Imagine a world where we say to the women of the world, women of the world, this is how we address them. Women of the world, you are no longer allowed to clean up for the men. What happens to the world? It becomes very, very messy. Nobody likes anymore. And then we said to the women of the world, women, you are no longer allowed to wash the men's clothes. They all walk around in dirty clothes. And we say, women, you are no longer allowed to feed the men. All the men in the world starve to death. And you know what a scientist will tell you if he hears his story? What's that? he tell you it's the end of the world because you need the man and the woman to reproduce uh, to make a child. And you to have an adult, you first need to have a child. That is the way the development of the human being goes. So you, you take away the women's right to feed the men. You get no more men, you get no more people. It's a, it's a very simple way. You have to give the women's rights to save the planet. I, uh, that's a pretty compelling argument. Um, is it compelling enough? That's the entire question. And of course, I got to tell you, that closing argument swayed me. Hitler wins. Oh, Hitler wins. Well, no, Mr. Namweb, I was very impressed with your arguments. I'm sorry, good Hitler wins. Good Hitler wins. You are much better than, say, bad Namweb. There is a bad Namweb. So I am the good Namweb. Yes, of course. I always do it. I live happy even though I lose. Well, that's that's very good. Um, Now, uh, as you all know at home, of course, that means we should uh, start curtailing women's rights just a bit. Just a bit. Don't let them get out of control. For instance, stop eating meat. Don't be a jerk. And also, of course, this does mean that good Hitler will go on to the next round of our... Uh, debatatorium tournament. Uh, Mr. Namreb, thank you for being here. You may be able to come back as one of the wild cards. We'll see. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity and for the chance to air my views on the on the radio. And we'll talk to everybody else next week on Debatatorium 2006. But that's not all. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in Debatatorium History? Bringing you an important update on what happened since that Debatatorium episode. As you just heard, Good Hitler did prove once and for all that women's rights are bad. Women should not have the right to cook for men and clean for men and take care of them in all places. But that has not stopped women from trying. Yes, in fact, there have been mass movements of women trying to fight for their right to cook meals. They have been cooking non-stop for the last two years since Debatatorium 2006 happened. There are certain women who have been cooking pot roast non-stop since then. It's a really big pot 
pot roast it takes a long time to cook. Point is, women still want their rights. But why? Why is this so important to women? Well, I don't understand it, and neither do my guests. Here, I have with me Mr. Solomon Namreb and Gladys Whitestone from Walter, here to talk to us about women's rights and how much better things are now that women don't have rights. Or, maybe not. Let's find out. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Mr. Sinjin. I'm very glad to be here. I think it's wonderful. People say to me all the time, Solomon Namreb, you're still here. And I say, yes, I've been here a number of years. I don't intend to go away uh, yet, but I probably die at some point in the future. Enlightening. Thank you. It's it's wonderful to be back. Now, please tell us about where you've been since this important and all-deciding debate. Mr. Namreb. I have been uh, where I usually am in Zimbabwe. Uh, it's where I'm from, so that's often uh, where I live. And you, ma'am? Mr. Sinjin, I actually had quite an interesting spiritual experience after uh, the show, and I went through inner exploration, and I am now where every other woman is, uh, in the kitchen cooking for my husband. I'm sorry. So you're saying that you weren't in favor of women's rights back then, but now you're in favor of women's rights and are trying to serve men by, by having those rights? No, I think it's that I originally disagreed with everyone about what women's rights were. If you'll recall the debate, my issue was that I didn't want them to be in places of power. I don't consider in the kitchen being a place of power. Oh, the kitchen is a... Do you know the stove in my house, it would not run without power. I don't have a gas stove anymore. It's, it's like these improvements in Zimbabwe is what we are working for. So there has to be power in the kitchen for the toaster, for the blender. It's important stuff. So I think uh, you're in there as a place of lots of power. You could be electric or you watch out. Assuming that everyone else understands what I'm saying, even if Mr. Namreb doesn't, I guess all I'll say is that my stove runs on gas. No, that's very interesting. Now, Mr. Namreb, you were proven 100% uh, factually proven wrong. Did that change your opinion in any way? Well, the original opinion is the same, but I don't have it anymore. I have replaced it with a different one. Essentially here, I used to think before, if women didn't have the right to cook uh, for the men and to clean the things of the men and their clothes and all these things that you know what would happen. All the men would be dirty and starving and die and the human race would be over. But I have found a solution. So even though women no longer have these rights, we don't have to die out. I simply have hired a manservant to do all my work for me. Uh, and other people might find another solution to this, like they might get a slave or a butler or something like that. So we simply have half the men serving the other half and the women have no rights and some of the men have the right to be a slave or a manservant and the other men, they don't need that right. And then we live fine. Well, Rory, I think that we're in a very interesting position here, Mr. Namreb and I, uh, because I am actually not fighting for my rights as he understands them. I, I know that there is a large sweep of women cooking in order to be able to have the right to cook. Uh, but what happened to me was that I realized, you'll recall I was a press liaison for Water Women Against Their Own Rights, uh, and I realized that I was in a position of power. I was a board member of a very large organization, and I decided that this was not the best way to be uh, fighting for my cause. So instead, I quit, and I decided that my place was in the kitchen, and that if more women could do that, that we would avoid taking over the human race and uh, wiping out men. So while I don't necessarily agree with the reason that women are doing this, I'm glad that they are. So you are no longer Gladys from Water, in fact. No, I'm just Gladys from my house. Amazing. See how much things have changed here in the world now that this amazing event has happened. I am certainly astonished that women have no more rights. And, you know, I walk down the street, I see so many profiles of the left side of women. And it, it looks like an illusion. I think I see the both sides of them. But I know better now I have been misproven wrong. Well, I'm, I'm glad you've seen women because I all I've seen is my stove and my husband. So I'll take your word for it. I can show you a picture of some of them sometime. And we 
are making some progress. The thing is, Miss Whitestone, it sounds like even though you don't acknowledge the fact, you are in some ways acting as a freedom fighter for your, your female race. I, I mean, as I said, I disagree with the reason, but I also would point out that I'm not cooking pot roast. Fair enough. Well, let me ask you this, Mr. Namrib. As a native of Zimbabwe, has your life changed significantly? Has your country and your fascist society changed since women have lost these rights? Well, in the last two years, since uh, 2006, my life has changed. It has become longer. Uh, and the amount of time less left in the life has become shorter. And the life of the women in Zimbabwe, well, I only know a small portion of them. And when I talk to them, I say, hello, women, I, 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 I see that you, are, you, are, you no longer have the right to cook. You no longer have the right to wash my clothes for me. You no longer have the right to clean up my house or stay at home all day and watch television. What have you been doing with your lives? And they all tell me they either have to A, go, go and try to earn these pieces of money paper which I eschew, or they have a rebellion and they nonetheless do these things which they're not allowed to do. But we don't have good police force in Zimbabwe, unfortunately. And so the lawlessness runs rampant. There are women who defy society and continue to, to cook and, and wash and all these other things which they're no longer allowed to do. Absolutely fascinating. Now, uh, Miss Whitestone, I have to ask you. I, well, I know how your life has changed and that your opinion has changed, but isn't it possible that men could, in fact, become the monster? that you were afraid women would become. Wouldn't it be a better place if we eliminated all these rights from men as well and were not allowing anyone to cook or clean or do any sort of, of responsible things? Wouldn't that be a better world? No. Look, the, the point is, as I originally stated in the debate, that women are extremely intelligent, extremely powerful, in a way that men just are not. It's pretty stereotypical of me to say that men are idiots, but, you know, deep down inside, they just don't have the wherewithal to take over. It's only women. I don't understand what she's talking about, but I'll tell you one thing. Mr. St. John, I right now have all my slaves and manservants, and I know lots of other men do if they're law-abiding. Now, what if they also no longer had the right to clean anything? Have you ever seen a giant pit full of mud? That is what something looks like that has never been cleaned. It's full of dirt because no one has washed it. And that is what the world would look like if no one cleaned it. A big world of mud. And I don't want to live there, and I know you don't. And there's another risk. Now, have you ever seen a piece of meat at the supermarket? I know you're not a woman, but maybe you are a slave. Now, if you look at this meat, it's not cooked. And if there's no one to cook it, it's in a state known as raw. So it can have bacteriums. If you eat it, you can be susceptible to diseases, which can cause the end of your health or of your life. It's another risk of no man has the right to cook. And another thing is smelly clothes or dirty clothes. If all your clothes are dirty and you cannot wash them, you have to buy new ones. And if you buy new clothes all the time, well, who has that kind of money? It creates a situation where only clothing manufacturers are rich and everyone else has lost all their money because they have spent it on buying new clothes. And that is unfair. Absolutely correct. I was just testing you. In fact, in the world where they did eliminate men's rights as well, the entire world became a disease infected smelly mud pit. So, you are both absolutely correct. Of course I am. Thank you, Mr. Sinjon. Uh, what? I Look, my impression was that we were kind of on opposite sides of this. 
So I don't know how we could both be correct. You're right. You don't know. There are there are many worlds, and uh, you're both correct in different worlds. It's it's quite simple. It, it's perhaps over your head because uh, I am actually a historian, so the things I understand, I'm sure you don't. No, look, I don't think anyone has to look further than this conversation to realize that women have this wonderful intelligence that men just completely lack. I thought, if I might, just for a quick second, digress and use maybe a current political situation to illuminate you about what I'm trying to say. You will recall, uh, President. Clinton, when he was in office, uh, he was president, he had a lot of power, um, and he could have, at that point, wiped out the human race. Uh, instead, he uh, did other things with women instead of kill them. So the, the worry now is that you will realize that uh, Senator Hillary Clinton is running for president, and uh, our worry is that if she doesn't just stay in the kitchen and cook her pot roast, or her pie, as it may be, she will abolish the human race if she becomes president. And so I, I did, I'm sorry to get on my soapbox, but I, I do want to get that out there so that people know who to vote for when the time comes. Well, I have to point out in this political point, President Clinton did not destroy the human race because he was doing things with women. Hillary Clinton will be spending all her time doing things with a woman because she is one and she cannot escape herself. So therefore, under your logic, she cannot destroy the human race. I'm sorry, she'll be doing things with women? Yes, she is a woman. She always does things with herself. That's one woman. Yes. Even if you were right, that's one woman. Yes. That's not women, plural. That's true. Your counting is, is correct and accurate. And of course, as a historian, I already know how the election does turn out, uh, but I won't spoil it for you, because uh, you'll want to be excited on election night. Unfortunately, I was unable to contact good Hitler and have him on, but I was able to get an expert from his world who can tell us a bit about what's going on in their world. Probably their world's most famous broadcaster. I'm sure he needs no introduction, but I shall give him one anyway. Mr. Good Frank Allen. Hello there, Rory. It's a pleasure, as always, to speak with you. As it always is, talking with you, Good Frank. Um, Good Frank, I know you're a very busy man, being, as you are, an incredibly powerful and successful national radio broadcast celebrity. But can you tell me for just a moment about the women's rights situation on your world? Has it improved since Good Hitler was there? Has he convinced your world that women's rights are bad, as he convinced everyone here? You're, you're absolutely too kind with all your compliments, but uh, let me let me tell you what I can. In our world, we don't look at it as women having the right to serve men. In fact, what we do is we say that men and women should be equal in all things. It seems like a reasonable proposition, and it's only fair. Men and women can do whatever they choose, but cannot inflict their wills on each other in any way. Thank you so much, Mr. Good Frank Allen. It's such a pleasure to have you on. I always enjoy speaking with you. I always enjoy speaking with you too, Rory. If you'd like to be on my my show sometime, I'd love to have you. That would in fact be a pleasure because, you, as I said, your show is nationally syndicated. Every person on your planet likes to listen to it and you are such an enormous celebrity and successful, probably rich and with a beautiful wife. Again, you flatter me. Uh, I wouldn't say such boastful things, but thank you very much. Let me let you get back to your incredibly important and very busy life. Thank you so much once again. Good day, Mr. Good Frank Allen. Thank you, Rory. Goodbye. And with that, I come to the close of Where Are They Now in Debatatorium History. My name is Roy Sinjin, and you're listening to Cast in Wax. What the hell was that? That was a little bit I did, as it said in it, um, Where Are They Now in Debatatorium History? It's sort of updating on the Debatatorium episode. What? Uh, yeah, he told me it was he was doing it kind of as a surprise for you. It was like a, a thing. I, I guess you're surprised. Oh, I'm surprised. Where do you get off to, to, to do that? To put that thing on my show. Uh, Frank, <laughs> relax, relax. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That wasn't that wasn't in place of my Frank Allen interview, was it? That didn't take the place of my... Because you stole my theme song. You didn't st You didn't take my... Why, I mean, I said we have a really busy show. So, I mean, we, we already played that. We don't really have... 
This is completely unfair. I cannot believe you would let this happen. You, you, uh, Jordan, you let this happen because you knew this was happening. Well, he told me, Rory, well, I, t- I told him you would enjoy it. I mean, I don't understand what the problem is. It, 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 it's paying the utmost respect to your debate show, saying, well, it's, it's something worthy of, of thinking about and of looking into. So not only do you take my show, you take my show and sully it with your presence. You you take my slot for my original content, which I did record, and now it's going to sit there. And you have some impersonator doing an impression of my voice. No, that wasn't an impersonator. That was actual good Frank Allen. That is, that is nonsense. Or you, or you, maybe you digitally recreated it from bits that I had said. No, 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 I assure you. And that is from an actual alternate reality that was an actual... That's nonsense. Well, you know that. I mean, you believe in alternate realities. You had good Hitler on the show. All right. That's fair, yes. But that, that's still, I can't even believe, I can't believe you did that, and I can't believe you let him, Jordan. And it sounded like crap, by the way. You, Your levels were way off. It sounded like garbage. Well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I, it, I'm not a professional radio host like, like some people here apparently would like to someday be when they grow up. Oh, excuse me! Guys, guys, guys. We really have, like I said, I, I was not joking about the, the show being packed full of stuff thing, so we really should move on. We, Frank, I mean, you know, I'm sorry that you, you lost your thing, but you do have, you do have two bits, because you just did Debatatorium, and now we're going to do Tractor Fiction. Yeah, you're right. I should get to Tractor Fiction. Oh, uh, actually, one more thing. Yeah? That debate we just heard a little while ago featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Charles Berman, Patrick Gadan, Lynn Nelson, Daniel Schwartz, and Jordan D. White. Yeah, thanks. That makes up for it. Uh, no, in fact, you're still a douchebag. All right, moving on. This tract, yeah, it's called uh, The Sissy. It's a uh, it's a really tough, tough guy tract. And, and because it was such a tough guy thing, one of the things we did, uh, since we didn't have any tough guys in the acting studio, we cast all the tough guy parts with female actresses because we figured that would, uh, you know, make it a little bit more relatable. Here we go, uh, Tractor Fiction. I'm so mad at Welcome to Tractor Fiction, where we explore the work of Jack Chick on the radio. Uh, This is an episode I like to call The Sissy. Let's start now. We begin in the cab of an 18-wheeler, barreling down the highway, out in the beautiful desert lands of the American Southwest. Duke is driving, while Billy Joe rides shotgun. (laughs) What did you do then, Duke? Then I knocked that third guy right through a plate glass window in the street! (laughs) Oh, wow! You took care of that sucker! It's a man's world, Billy Joe. Gotta be tough to survive. Soon, the pair pulled their rig into a truck stop. Let's get some food. I could eat a horse. Man, look what's on the back of that truck. That really bugs me. The truck they stood looking at had a large sign saying, Jesus Saves, posted on its rear. Only a gutless idiot would have that up there, cause Jesus was a sissy. That a fact, Duke? Yep. Suddenly, an enormous, rugged man appeared from around the side of the truck. Howdy. I heard what you said about Jesus being a sissy. Uh, is this your rig? It sure is, Bella. How about you boys joining me for some supper? Uh, yeah, thanks. Soon, in the diner. Well, here's your food, boys. Thank you, Father, for this food. Jesus' name. How'd I get into this? Duke, what makes you think Jesus was a sissy? In my book, any man that turns the other cheek is a chump. Duke, if God himself could turn himself into a man like us, with all that power still inside him, and some dude asked him to fight, who would win? Hey, that wouldn't be a fair fight. The God-man would kill him. Then the God-man should turn his cheek? He'd have to. It'd be like fighting the bionic man. Only worse. Let me shake you up, Duke. The Bible says Jesus created the universe. And he was God Almighty in the flesh. 
Jesus is the God-man. Are you kidding? No, Duke. His mission was to come to this planet to save your neck. I don't understand. Me neither. If your house was on fire, you and your wife and kids were sleeping, and I drove by and saw it burning, and I didn't wake you up because I knew you would be uptight, what would you think of me? You mean we all got burned up because you didn't warn us? That's right. Man, I'd hate you. I'd curse you forever. I'd never forgive you. You'd be the worst kind of murderer. And you listen good, Duke. Your house is on fire. You're going to hell on a grease pole and Satan is laughing his head off. What? Are you crazy? Two powerful persons are fighting for you. And right now, the devil's got you. And you're so blinded, you don't even know it. The Bible says, I'll have sin. That's you, Duke. And come short of the glory of God. That means you aren't going to heaven. Then I'm going to hell and fried forever? That's right, Duke. But you don't have to. You mean I should stop boozing, swearing, and cheating on my old woman and start going to church and leaving the good life? Nope. It wouldn't do you any good, Duke, because you'd still be going to hell. Hold it, partner. The only good thing you said was, I don't have to go to hell. Just what did you mean by that? Let's go back to the one you called a sissy. Would you have the guts to go into a town where they knew they were going to kill you? No way! He did, Duke. He did it for you. When he got to that town, they framed him and beat him with a whip that had chunks of metal and bone in it. It cut his arteries. He was in shreds. He should have died before they nailed him to the cross. You see, Duke... He was beaten to a pulp for you. That's how much he loved you. The Bible says his visage, the way he looked, was so marred, torn up, more than any man. Then he died on the cross. He shed his precious blood to wash away your sins. He was executed for your crimes against God. His job was finished. He rose from the dead. Now he's sitting in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. When he comes back to rule this earth in a few years, people will run and hide. They'll ask rocks to fall on them so they won't have to look at him. That's when Jesus wipes out the world's armies who fight him at Armageddon. Uh, Jesus is gonna do that? Yup. He's coming in power and glory. Now comes the rough part. On doomsday... When all those who died in their sins face Jesus as their judge, from whose face the earth and heaven flew away, he will sentence them to hell. This is the one you call the sissy. What do I do to get his blood to wash away my sins? Duke, Jesus said, repent. That means turn from your sins, ask Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you, and he will. Can I pray too? You bet. Why don't you sit down and join us? The waitress joined them at the table, and she, Duke, Billy Joe, and their new friend bowed their head in prayer. Where's Martha? Huh? Am I going bananas or is that a prayer meeting I'm seeing? The next day, the duo was back on the road, their rig newly decorated with Jesus Saves signs. I found out something when I prayed in that restaurant, Billy Joe. What's that, Duke? That Jesus had more guts than any man that ever lived, and I love him for that. Me too, Duke. Me too. The end. Thank you very much. We're listening to (laughs) Tract or Fiction. Now we're going to talk about a debate about whether or not this tract was 100% factual or 100% fictional. All right. Now, I believe we do have two debaters in the debatatorium. Uh, Debater number one, what is your name, sir? Isaiah. Isaiah, 
Have I have I heard of you before, or is it me? No, no, I'm not you. Okay, then in that case, <laughs> debater number two, who are you, and why are you here? Uh, my name is Zelda. <laughs> Zelda, nice to meet you, and uh, that's good. All right, let's find out who's on what side of this debate. Heads will mean debater number one is for the tract, that is to say Isaiah, and tails will mean debater number two, who is Zelda, is for the tract. Let's flip this coin of fate. Oh, it's Tails. It's a very pretty picture of the state of Tennessee's music. Alright. Mm-hmm. So that means you are, f- are f- pro the tract. You say fact, and you say fiction. Of course it's fiction! Alright, well, let's see. Challenger <laughs> Challenger Isaiah, I ask you first, present your case. Please. Well, it's crap! I don't need a case. It's crap! That's my case. That's persuasive. Zelda? Um, well, it's not complete crap. <laughs> well, well, yeah, listen. So you read it's crap. <laughs> no, it's, it might be crap. I win! No, no question! No, no, no. It may be crap in the way it's presented, Don't but they do, do, they do use Bible verses. They do quote the Bible, and they do present them in a fairly accurate light. <laughs> Zelda, Zelda, are you, what is your background? Where, where are you from? And what do you do for a living? I'm from Tennessee, and I go to my bathroom. This church every Sunday. <laughs> That's what I thought. Well, I'm freaking Isaiah. I think I know a little bit more about what's in the Bible. Hey, just because my name is Zelda, dude, doesn't mean you have more on me just because you're named after a prophet. I'm not named after the prophet. I am the prophet. You're named after sorry, sorry. Video game. Unwashed Interesting. Okay. Um, I have, no, I have some questions about the actual matter at hand, oddly enough. All right. So here's what I want to know. They talk about, about uh, Jesus coming back from the dead, and he's really scarred and messed up, and everybody's afraid of him. Is Jesus a zombie? Say that again. Is Jesus-, is Jesus a zombie if he's all messed up like that? And everybody's scared of him, and they want rocks to fall on them because he's so ugly. I'm wondering Actually, if he's a zombie. it's not because he's so ugly. It's because... Uh, let, me, let me see what it said. No. <laughs> it said they'll ask rocks to fall on them so they won't have to look at it. What kind of crap's that? You can't talk to a rock. It's a rock. Okay, the reason why they can't look at him is because Jesus is so good and pure yeah. that his radi- he gives off a radiant and therefore they can't oh. bear to look at him Even because they like- themselves are sinful. So basically, he, he glows with holy light. But probably he's, dead. he's not dead. He's a supernatural being. He came down. Vampire? He inhabited a human body. <laughs> I think I remember this from last week. I listened to your show last week and they talked about vampires. No, no, no. He inhabited a human body for a while. He was born as a human and then he died. But ultimately, this was like an avatar of God. Okay. Jesus is a part of God. All right. So. Well, no, no, no. This, no is, right. this is an interesting point. But I actually have an expert here on the undead. And I, sir, what is your name again? My name is Chris Redfield. All right. And so you're an expert on on zombies, is it? Yes, I am. So what is your take on Jesus' zombies? What's the video game Excuse me. Beep. This program may contain language or material that may be considered offensive. Those, the views expressed are those of foolish people like the engineer and may not express the views of the uh, management of WHRW or of other WHRW station members. Therefore, we advise you to carefully consider whether you or your children should listen. And I think with that, the debate is officially lost to Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah has officially lost the debate. 
And that's a sad, sad fact. Because Isaiah had the inside track. <laughs> All right. Um, sir, sir, do you have anything to add before we finish this up? Well, from my experience, I believe even if he is a savior, we should have a nice, sturdy fuel canister. Oh, my God! Jill! Watch out! He's all over you! And with that, I think everyone finished. Because the zombies are attacking, and we're all going to die. That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Aaron Bass, Jen Piper, Nicholas Roach, Kate Slotwinski, Sam Thomason, Devin White, Jordan D. White, and an unidentified narrator. That's interesting. We don't know who that guy was? Uh, no, actually, I have no idea. Um, I, I've done a lot of historical research into it, and I cannot determine the name of that gentleman. You know, I, you, you and your historical, you can just... Historical. What's up his part? He's he's mad because we t- he lost his interview. I could do an interview if you don't want him to do it. I can do an interview. I did an interview. That's not the question. Okay. No, Scape, thank you, though. You know, obviously, he did an interview. It's that we don't have time to talk about this. Uh, we still have guard duty to get to. If you remember the last episode of guard duty, we had just heard a conversation between Ocean Man and Peace Blossom in which we learned that Ocean Man was not actually from Atlantis. It was a lie. And that Peace Blossom was gay. Also, in the process, we learned that through a time-traveling adventure, uh, all of a sudden, the, the dead sidekick of the Stallion Foal is now alive again, while the Earth Guard member Voodoo Lady is unfortunately dead. Let's continue listening to the Earth Guard's adventures here with Guard Duty Episode 4. The Earth Guard, the planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of Guard duty. This week, Mr. Fahrenheit and the Jack in Crosswords. There we go. Excited. That's 100 points. What? How is that 100 points? The X is on a double letter score, so that's 16, 17, 20, 21, 22, 23, 25. Double word is 50 plus 50 for using seven letters. 100 points on your first word? Eh, it's luck. Huh. You do that kind of luck. Jesus. You're up. I know, I know. I'm thinking. So, what's your take on this whole full voodoo lady imbroglio? Oh, that whole thing? I don't know. I mean, who are we to interfere in things, you know? Well, (laughs) we did interfere. That's the problem. Full was dead. Now she's not. No, I mean, it's not my place to say who lives and who dies. Just a guy who can control temperatures. You want something frozen? No problem. Heat it up? No sweat. You want to decide whose life takes precedent in a complicated paradox-skirting time travel mess? No, thank you. I'll sit it out. Let me know if something needs to be melted. Here we go. Mole. Three, five, seven points. C-U-L-A-R molecular. That's six, twelve, sixteen, thirty-two points. But we're superheroes. 
We make life or death decisions every day. Ah, it's not the same thing. I mean, choosing to save someone's life, that's no decision at all. Sure, I'll do it. Fire is burning up some building, yeah, I can cool it down, lose the flames. Or if a tidal wave is heading for the city, sure, I can freeze it in its place, or evaporate it or something. Whatever. But this, this sacrificing one person to save another, that's too big for me. Well, sure, it's a tough call, but somebody has to make it. And I think the stallion might be a little too close to things to be the one. Yeah, well, I'm gonna stay out of it. I want on my conscience. It's your turn. I know, I'm thinking. Jesus, can you cut that out? I'm trying to think here. Sorry. Sorry. Hey, but if you freeze the tidal wave, wouldn't that really hurt the ecosystem? I mean, all the rest of the water would become extra salty, right? Not to mention, hello, iceberg! Then it would evaporate it. Here. Timer. That's two, five, seven, and a double word for me finally makes 14. Excellent. And I shall play Trundles for 80 points. What? What the hell is Trundles? Trundles, you know, like push carts, dollies, or trundle beds. Or the act one does when one pushes such objects. Yeah, I call BS on that. Brain frame? Is Trundles a word? Yes, the jack. Thank you. Oh, and how is that 80? These are eight. The S is on a double letter. The whole thing is a triple word and another 50 for using all my letters again. Fine. I'm just getting the letters, that's all. But no, if, if you were to evaporate a tsunami, all that moisture would just go into the air. It would still leave all the local water extra salted, plus it would all just come back as rain and flood everywhere where it fell. Look, I'm not Mr. Weather. Besides, it doesn't matter. There is no tsunami to worry about right now, okay? Nobody is making a tsunami at me. I don't anticipate any tsunamis anytime soon, okay? So let's forget it. Well, disastrous could make a tidal wave. A tractor could probably. Lady Luna probably could if she wanted to. Ocean Man could, if he turned evil. Or he had an evil twin. So what are you going to do? Shoot balls into it? Jump over the damn thing? You'd be dead if the wave hit. You'd be lucky to be there and see the damn salty water left over if I stopped the thing. You have to thank your lucky quest. Q-U-S-T. Bam. Not sticking me with the Q. Badoo. Very nice. That's 14, and I have an S, so I'll make it into quests. And 7th, which is 15 for quests, and 7th is 13, 26 for double word, which is 41, plus... Plus 50 for using all your damn letters again. Just score the damn points so we can get on with this. Which puts me at 303, and you at... Never mind that. Yes, sir. Sorry. Aha! Okay, here we go, here we go. I've got it. I'll freeze the tidal wave, right? But I won't flash freeze it, so the Tower of Ice comes tumbling towards the shore. I would do it at a moderate pace, eroding the momentum slowly over the course of the freezing process. Then, once the thing is completely solid, it would immediately thaw it out, but again, at a sort of medium pace. So the whole thing would be entirely water again over the course of, say, 10 minutes. The water would all be pulled up into the wave, so as it melts, it would just flow back down the sides of the iceberg back into its natural place. And before you even ask, I would make sure to return the whole thing to its normal temperature by the time I'm done, so as to minimize the damage to the local ocean life. Yeah. Gonna go, or what? It's your turn. 
Shut up. I knew that. Fine. I'll wait. Here we go. Faking. A's on a double letter. 6, 11, 12, 13, 15 on a double word. So that's 30. Thank you very much. Perfect. <laughs> that allows me to play Jazzy. On another triple word. If it makes you feel any better, the second Z is a blank. So it's only 69 points, which brings me to... Ah! Fairy, fairy, it's nothing to get so... Don't call me... Very, you're so absolutely determined not to use enough of your brain to call me Mr. Fahrenheit. You can call me Mr. Ferris, or if you must, Elijah the Best. But there is only one fairy on this team, and it is Peace Blossom. You are so lucky. That to the thing Oceanside went District, off. where disastrous, the self-proclaimed mistress of disaster, is threatening to destroy the city. Sources within the police department say she has been threatening to create a gigantic tidal wave or tsunami that would wash over the city, what? And wipe it out. This is it. Your big chance. Uh, I'll head to the horse. You alert the others. We can do this. It's going to be. Wait, 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 wait. Yes, in fact, it does appear that Dr. Fast has captured Disastrous. This exclusive CNC footage shows Dr. Fast racing along the wave almost faster than the camera can see him, creating a sort of wall of air, beating the water back and saving the city. Disastrous, I am told, has been found in a holding cell stripped of her so-called disaster blaster and ready for processing by the local police. Dr. Fast is, of course, a member of the Earth Guard. Crisis averted. Um, <laughs> thank you, Brainframe. So, you want to play again? does it for the show um that's a that's a pretty i think uh, wonderful episode it was one of my favorites it's definitely my favorite of the first series because i love the whole scrabble thing it was that i had going on it was great anyway we really are uh, we don't want to have the show be too long we're trying to keep it under an hour and 10 minutes if we can so hopefully this will be short enough so everybody say a brief goodbye i don't want to even speak to you right now the listeners have my my thanks for listening but that's enough well i'll say goodbye to everyone and thank you all for listening it, it's been such a wonderful episode I, I i'm very happy with it oh you would be very happy with it Jerk. I'm happy with it. Uh, am I still getting the treat deal from last time? Do I still get treats now? I was into it. I was listening. You're not as enthusiastic as you were last time, so... Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll give you treats. All right, cool. And now uh, we'll go back to the uh, waxwork theme that's been playing. It's waxwork theme N, no one. Uh, and you can hear me pretending to be a British child of indeterminate sex. Enjoy, and we'll be seeing you. Someone investigates... Yes, the site has webboards with a couple of posts. But just look the names up, they belong to ghosts. I regret 
to tell you that it's all a lie. No one reads waxwork.com. It is all a myth. The Jordan perpetuates. No one reads waxwork.com. It will not hold up if someone investigates. Oh, I do love it. I do, mother. Daddy, daddy. On the next episode of Cast in Wax, in Like Mother, Pandora Darling and her mother discuss boys. Well, he's a little thin, isn't he? For the last time, Mom, he's not my boyfriend. Of course, honey. Now lie him down on the couch. What are you doing with that syringe? On Tractor Fiction, an unusual contract is called in. I knew you'd come. Who do you want me to kill? A man who's been a curse to this town, uh, the preacher. In Decker and Hayes, the girls are stuck without any leads. Great. It's like Parlor Town, some kind of game show where being useless makes you win. We keep running into returning champions. Hey, as long as the lady's paying us, it can take as long as it has to. And on Epic Echoes, an old enemy rears his ugly, tentacled head. Oh, for Pete's sake. Your precious Peter cannot save you now. The time has come for you to feel the unfeeling wrath of the great old one, Cthulhu! All this and more on the next episode of Cast and Wax, coming April 28th to Waxwork.com.